Good morning and welcome to Roadmap to Heaven here on Covenant Network. I'm Adam Wright. Happy to be with you. It's 7 a.m. on this Wednesday, July 27th. And uh, I feel like we're still ringing out, you know. Uh, Still a little damp. Still a little bit of rain here. But nowhere near what it was yesterday. Uh, Let's pray this morning. And in particular, we want to remember those who have suffered loss. Um, I know there's been at least one life lost in the St. Louis area because of the flash flooding yesterday. And we want to pray for all those affected by the the flooding and affected by the uh, just the rains and, and the rains and the rains and the rains that just kept coming and coming and coming and coming. So uh, we pray our morning offering, but we remember them, and I think we can offer a memorari for them this morning as we pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. O Jesus, through the Immaculate Heart of Mary, I offer you my prayers, works, joys, and sufferings of this day for all the intentions of your Sacred Heart in union with the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass throughout the world, in reparation for my sins, for the intentions of all my relatives and friends, and in particular for the intentions of the Holy Father. Amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thy intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, we fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, our mother. To thee do we come before thee, we stand sinful and sorrowful, O Mother of the Word incarnate. Despise not our petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer us. And we entrust the souls of all who died in yesterday's flash flooding. To the mercy of God, eternal rest grant unto them, O Lord, and let perpetual light shine upon them. May their souls and the souls of all the faithful departed through the mercy of God rest in peace. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, I'd like to tell you a little story this morning about incrementalism, and uh, it's a little fable, shall we say. Um, Maybe not fable, although fables have lessons, you know. I'm not Aesop, though. I'm Adam. And it goes like this. You know, yesterday we broke records. We, you know, I, I think it was a, what they called a thousand year or a one in a thousand chance to get as much rain as quickly as we got it yesterday here in the St. Louis metro area where our studios are located. And as you can imagine, if your house had any spots that were prone to leaking, they were exposed yesterday. You know, places you think, I wonder if I might have a leak there. Yeah, now you know. That is that is for certain after yesterday. So I come, into the, uh, I come into the studio, and I notice one of the light fixtures above me. It looks like there's a little bit of water pooled on the diffuser screen. I mean, it's your traditional drop ceiling fluorescent light fixture. And you say, eh, that's odd. That's different. Um, but everything seems to be okay, right? Well, fast forward to about half an hour, 45 minutes after the show, all of a sudden we start hearing this odd noise. It sounds like running water, but there is no running water. I mean, we got up on the ladder, we took the, the ceiling tile out, and one of my coworkers is looking and says, there's no running water up here, and say, I wonder if that's the light. So we turned the lights out. Sure enough, it was the light. We said, we probably ought to leave that out until uh, we can take a closer look at that. So then one of our other engineers comes in and he starts poking around in there, and he, he takes one piece off. And we thought there was, like, maybe a little minor leak that was kind of getting to this fixture. Well, I don't know. I don't know. What we found is that there had probably been a persistent 
problem. So, you know, we, we took care of it. Um, all is well. You know, that's the end of it. You, you, you do the regularly scheduled maintenance, and uh, when you find a problem, you maintain it, right? Well, here's the deal. My house, the exact same thing. I got home, and there were places, and I'm like, you know, I think I'm going to have an issue there. And sure enough, the places I thought were going to leak, they leaked. And Beth and I had a conversation last night. All right, how are we going to address this? Now, what's the moral of this story? In each of these cases, and I'll tell you a third story. This happened to a relative of mine that their air conditioner wasn't working, and they had the air conditioning repair person come out, and he's uh, poking around, and he says, well, let me uh, go downstairs. I looked at everything outside. It it looks like the problem might be downstairs, but to do that, I'm going to have to switch your breaker back on because for whatever reason, every time the air conditioner would come on, the circuit breaker would trip. So he goes to turn the breaker back on, and he sees a little arc behind the uh, panel and so that's not good you need to call an electrician so they called an electrician you know this family member of ours and the electrician comes out and he says well the only way to see what's going on in the panel is to take the cover off the panel and look in the panel you know he's an electrician he can do things like this so he does and water comes pouring out of their circuit breaker box pouring out it had been pooling in there they're lucky that they didn't have an electrical fire or some other catastrophic damage and they said well how did that water get in there and it turns out that at the masthead where the power lines enter their house from the alley because in in the city um, they had power lines that ran on utility poles in the alley not buried cable that came up from underground there was a little crack just a little crack on the masthead at the top of the uh, top of where the power lines go in and water had been getting in and on a day like yesterday this was years ago but on a day like yesterday, a lot of water would have gotten in. And that was causing the lowest breaker to keep tripping. And that was the air conditioner breaker. And thanks to that breaker tripping, they averted what could have been a catastrophe. So often, I dismiss venial sin. I'm trying not to do that anymore. The last couple of years have been a real big project in that. But in my youth, for sure, well, it's not a mortal sin. At least it's not a mortal sin, right? It's okay. It's better. It's, a, it's only a venial sin. Let's just worry about mortal sin, you know, to stay in that state of grace. And yet when we least expect it, the temptations that we let in by not saying no to venial sin, all of a sudden out of nowhere could possibly lead to a catastrophic result. Now, luckily, yesterday, we caught what we needed to catch and luckily years ago that family member caught what they needed to catch and i'm taking stock of what's going on in my house now but do we do that with our spiritual lives do you make that daily examination of conscience why is it so important because if you don't know where your leaks are you don't know where catastrophe may happen and it may seem completely unrelated you know i'll just leave you with this thought there was one day i was in confession and i was struggling with one particular vice and Father said to me, go back a couple sins. Let's, let's go back a couple sins that you confessed. What happened before this? I said, well, this happened, you know. And he said, yeah. Did you ever stop to think that those two things might be related? Well, Father, they're not related. They're two completely different things. He goes, yeah. But that's the one that got you cooking. And once you started cooking, you know, things were starting to come unhinged. And if you can find out what's going on there, it might stop you from getting to the other point 
Even though they seem unrelated, they are. Great wisdom from Father that day. On the show today, we're going to be talking with Kristalina Everett about uh, getting ready to go back to school. We have to start preparing ourselves to do all the back-to-school work of the shopping and all of that. And there's a spiritual component of getting our kids ready to go back to school. It's not just crayons and paper and binders and folders. Uh, we're also going to be talking with Father Jeffrey Kirby about the season we are in now called Ordinary Time and the fact that we do have spiritual work. It may not be Lent. It may not be Advent where we're getting ready for our Lord, but we have work to do during this season. And, of course, Doug Berry is with us again today. We'll be talking about the Third Commandment. Um, and we'll have a, a little catechist this morning. But we're going to stop now and get a check of the weather. Let's go to Mike Roberts. Today is the feast day of San Pantaleon, physician and martyr. Born in what is now Turkey around 275, his mother was St. Ebula. After she died, while studying medicine, Pantaleon fell away from the church. However, he crossed paths with St. Hermelus, who convinced him that if he were going to be a physician, he should return to, quote, the physician who heals all, saying, of what use are these studies if you are ignorant of the science of salvation? Pantaleon returned to his faith, became a doctor, and at one point healed a blind man miraculously, which led to the conversion of his own father. After that, his father died, and Pantaleon inherited great wealth and all of his father's slaves, but he freed the slaves and gave away his inheritance, which caused those in the upper class to denounce him to the emperor Diocletian. Looking for a way to free him, Diocletian asked Pantaleon to rebuke his faith, but he refused and instead healed a man of paralysis. He was condemned to be executed, but many attempts failed, and it was only after he offered himself to be beheaded that his execution actually succeeded. St. Pantaleon, please pray for us. I'm meteorologist Mike Roberts for Covenant Network. Have a blessed day. Saint of the Day can arrive each morning by subscribing on your favorite podcast player. Search Covenant Network to see all our podcasts. So here's our, our catequiz pop quiz for you today. On the show this week and next, we're talking with Doug Barry about the Ten Commandments. There are ten of them. We know this. So we go back to our, our catechism days and in school. But do you know all ten? You know, before we get too far into these with Doug Barry, I, I figure we ought to ask this question. What are the Ten Commandments? How many of them can you name? So take a minute right now. I'll, I'll keep talking for a moment and think of as many of the Ten Commandments as you can. And if you're not driving, you know, maybe jot them down if you got a pen and paper handy and see how many you can get. And if you can get them in order, the Ten Commandments given to Moses on Mount Sinai in the book of Exodus, still in use today, you know. All right, time's up for your pop quiz because this is a radio show. We are kind of st- stuck to a clock here. Um, commandment number one and two, you should know because we covered them Monday and yesterday. I am the Lord your God. You shall not have strange gods before me. Number two, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Today, commandment number three, remember to keep the holy the Lord's day. So those are the first three, as Doug told us, directly with God. And then the next six or the next seven have to do with our relationship with one another. Number four. Honor your father and mother. Number five, you shall not kill. Number six, you shall not commit adultery. Number seven, you shall not steal. Number eight, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. Number nine, you shall not covet your neighbor's wife. Number ten, you shall not covet your neighbor's goods. Now, 
if you are like me, and once upon a time when someone asked me this very same question, and by once upon a time, I mean a year ago, and you're saying, oh, I know these, and you got them, but you maybe didn't get them in the right order, or you got all of them, and then as we started reading the list, you said, oh, yeah, that one. I knew that was the one I was missing. I knew there was something I was missing about coveting or about so on and so forth. Don't worry. You didn't fail the test. This is the practice exam. Um, it's just a good reminder for you. Go online. Search the Ten Commandments. Write them down. Memorize them. Study them. It's a lot easier to avoid uh, sin when you know what the commandments are and you know what not to do. We are talking with Doug Barry about the Ten Commandments, and today's commandment is one about a very important day, the Lord's Day. And the third commandment tells us, remember the Lord's Day and keep it holy. So, Doug, uh, what exactly does that mean? A couple key things. Number one, we have an obligation to attend the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass, whether it's Saturday night obligation for Sunday or Sunday itself, and Holy Days of Obligation as well. But in particular, we're focusing on this reality that there is an obligation to do this. Now, God does not need us. He does not need us to come to Mass because He gets something out of that. We need Him. God establishes this commandment because He knows that we need the sustenance of that time with Him. One hour out of a week is minimal. You can't get more minimal than that. Now, I have to say that you go back many years, say the 40s, 1940s and 50s, the percentage of Catholics in America that went to Mass faithfully on Sundays and Holy Days of Obligation was around 75 to 80%. That number has dropped dramatically. Even pre-pandemic, it was around 20, 21% in America, 10% in places like Australia, Canada, 5% roughly in Europe. Well, even now, since churches have opened back up, we are seeing those numbers still low, 8, 9, 10% in some reports that I've heard. People are not taking seriously this third commandment to get to the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass, fulfill that obligation. Why, though? As you've said in the last couple, Adam, God gives us these commandments because he loves us and he wants us on the right track. If you're driving down a highway late at night and it's even somewhat foggy or there's a little bit of rain or snow and you're cruising around the curves of that road and you've got those reflective lines painted on the edges of the road, the yellow line right down the middle. When it's dotted, you know you can pass. When it's solid on your side, you can't. These lines keep you from driving into the ditch, into a tree, to your death even maybe. The commandments are like those lines. If we look at it that way, this is God guiding us through the curves and the hills and the potholes of life with these very beautiful, powerful rules, regulations, laws, loving expressions of God to keep us close to him. Getting to Mass on Sunday is key. Now, on top of that, it's a day of family. It's a day to kick back and not work if you don't have to. Unnecessary work on Sunday? No, don't do it. Okay, let's be clear about that. It's too easy to say, well, it's Sunday. Today, I'm just going to go make a few extra dollars. Look, there are times when it's necessary, obviously. Medical field, for example, you know, first responders, paramedics, and so forth. That's all important. There are other areas you can discuss on that point. But if it's unnecessary work, relax. Take a day of rest. Remember, it's a day of rest to be with God and to be with family. Also, let's cut back on the shopping on Sunday. All right, this is something years ago, businesses in very, very few places now, like Chick-fil-A, don't even open on Sunday, Hobby Lobby. Thank God. These are examples that you can still operate a very, very effective business in this world and not be open on Sunday. But we have to cooperate with these commandments. We have to do the best we can. Unnecessary shopping, unnecessary work. Let's get rid of it for Sundays. Time for God, 
time for family, time for worship, time for prayer, time for rest. I love it. I am a huge proponent of all of it, not just because it's God's law, but ever since we started taking this very seriously in our lives, it has paid amazing dividends. Again, first and foremost, it's about God being God, but second, there is a good for us in it as well. I'm a big proponent, bring back Sunday roast. I love making roast on Sunday <laughs> yes, and bringing yes, the yes. whole family around the dinner table together. That's so. It. All right, we, we've knocked out the first three commandments, the three about God. Next, we're going to turn to our neighbor, but for that, you got to come back and be with us again tomorrow. Doug Berry, right. thanks so much for being with us. Thanks, Adam. Daily Offering God the Father, I thank Thee for creating me. God the Son, I thank Thee for redeeming me. God the Holy Spirit, I thank Thee for sanctifying me. Infuse into my thoughts, words, and actions Thy grace so that they may be supernaturally pleasing to thee and supernaturally rewarding to me forever. O blessed Trinity, abundantly assist me in becoming that which thou intended me to become when thou created me. For in thy perfection I will give thee the glory thou desirest of me, and in that perfection I will find my greatest joy in heaven. Amen. Crystalina Everett is back with us this week, and all summer long we've been talking about how to maximize our time at home with our kids in summer and how to be on guard against the devil who doesn't want us to have good relationships with our children. But the reality is for many of us, we're now just a few short weeks, if that, from going back to school and sending our kids away to school. And, you know, as my kids get older, Crystalina, I am overwhelmed by the amount of trust that I find myself having to give to my children and to their educators, which I'm going to say, uh, disclaimer, I think my kids go to a really good school, and they have been very open with us about the curriculum and what's going on in the school. And anytime I have a question or want to know more, they open the doors and they talk with me. But for a lot of us, you know, Crystalina, how many of us are saying to ourselves, all right, summer vacation's over. I'm off the clock on this. I get to send my kids back to school and teachers. Uh, good luck. They're, they're, they're yours now. Yes, and sometimes we're sending them into the lion's den not knowing how they're going to really get eaten alive because they don't have that foundation and they don't know what's appropriate what's not appropriate, especially when it comes to their sexuality. And they're just trusting um, their teachers as they should. And so there are new programs being instilled in the public schools, and they are, they're going to look different for the youngers and the olders, I call them, but high school and middle school. And middle school will have a new app that's going to be introduced to them that is going to ask them a lot of awkward questions about their sexual health, relationships, how they're growing up. And you're kind of chatting with this app back and forth, and they get into questions about their puberty, if they like boys or girls just different things that are incredibly inappropriate that they have no business even going there. They're supposed to be learning curriculums and math and arithmetic and all of those good things. And here they are being asked about what's going on with their puberty, which most parents have their own issues to even bring up those subjects within their own home. And parents have to change that real fast, especially with what's going on in our society. Now, within high school, there's another program that are after-school programs that they can get involved with that will teach them how to be advocates for sexual health and how to really go in their community and create a common language about issues of sex and sexuality. And it really is indoctrinating them with this whole way of thinking. And it's just something you truly want to avoid. So any after-school programs or any apps or any kind of just 
they have anything that they have to do on that tablet really look into what it is they are doing and i would kind of supervise it as well yeah you know this really highlights for us i can't say for certain whether you listening right now this is happening at your kid's school because there are so many different schools we don't know and praise god for the schools where this isn't happening but here's what i do know this is why it's so important for us to engage with our children to find out if this is going on are they getting reading writing and arithmetic or reading writing and ridiculous you know because yeah. that that's the only it. way we're going to know is if we engage All summer long, we've been talking about building up relationships with our children. We've been talking about protecting them in spiritual warfare. And this is now, you know, that part where we're sending them out. We're not leaving them abandoned. We do need to check in with them. And, you know, I would say if if you're saying, oh, I should have listened a couple months, you know, a couple weeks ago when Adam and Kristalina said this, you know what? Start now. Start now. That that's all I'm going to say about it. Start yeah, now. Don't wallow in. Oh, I should have started a while ago. Because you know what? I should have started before I did. Start now. Yes, me too. I, I think all parents are in that. We don't know. We don't know what we're doing sometimes, and that's okay. But when you do know what you're doing, and you do get advice, and you know you should take it, and you don't. That's where it's kind of like, what are you doing? Yeah, you know. And the time and the effort it matters. And also. Try to find out who your children are friends with, like really friends with. Who are their go-to people? Because if you can see who your friend, your children's go-to people are, your teens' go-to people are, you're really going to learn a lot about your teens and what they do and how they interact. And what I do before the beginning of each school year, which may be manipulative on my part, but it has been tremendous and it has helped all of my children, is I have a big party. For all of the different classes, and I bring them over, is it a lot of work? Is it a lot? Absolutely. But a lot of fruit because I can see who their classmates are going to be. I can see the parents who they're going to be, and and I can see how they click. And also, it really takes away kind of like, well, who are you? Who are you? That awkwardness of that first day of school and all the clickiness, it really breaks it down because you're kind of getting them together. So if there are parents that could come together and maybe get get the the class together before school even starts, I am telling you, it solves so many of the problems before they even start within the social sphere of school. I am so glad you said that because my experience growing up, uh, you know, my parents always, when we had prom, which I know is a long ways off, we're, we're not even starting the school year and I'm talking about prom. After prom, my parents let my brothers and I bring all of our friends and their dates over to our house and and have this big all-night-long party. And then their parents came, too. And, I mean, the moms stayed up all night. We're watching movies. They're bringing us cookies. But they know exactly what's going on. They're not helicopter ride over us, but they know exactly what's going on. There were no shenanigans allowed. And we had a great time. And then when everyone was starting to get real tired, they said, all right, girls, you go up to this floor. And, guys, you go down to the basement. And, parents, we're going to stay in the middle. And we're we're the guards. And then the gatekeepers. the dads all came over in the morning, late morning, because at this point we were we slept probably till ten or eleven a.m. and cooked everybody a nice brunch, including the moms. And you know what? It was a lot of work for them, but it kept us out of trouble. And that's yes. what we have to do all year. You know, it's a lot of work, but the best way to know what your kids are up to is to be around your kids. Be around your kids. Spend the time. It is worth it right now. And when they're 18 and they're graduating, to look back and say, oh, I wish I would have. You know, I don't want to have that regret because it could have been so much better than it turned out. 
knowing right now is the time. Even if you only have one more year left with your team, take it. Make it amazing. Spend time with them. But And if you can't get classes together, all the kids that they're going to be in the classroom with, then get their friends that you know that they're friends with and just get them together. Yeah. In your home, before school, take them out as a group. Take them out to do something, but make it a routine thing. And then once they start school, once a month, I have all of my kids invite their group of friends over, and we have pizza, I play games, we hang out, and they know that they could come, and they're also going to hang out with me a little bit. We have a really good, fun time. There's nothing serious. We're not talking theology. We're just hanging out and spending time, and all the kids look forward to it. Yeah, we I'm... have good times. We have fun. It's important. I remember my best friend in grade school, his mom did that with us, and I always used to joke around, you're like my second mom, you know, and I love, not to replace That's my mom, I love my mom, oh my but, goodness, you know, yes. she was she was, she was was mom number two in her own way, yes. and, and I absolutely loved it. So, Kristalina, lots of great stuff for us here today, but the moral of the story is what? Be aware of what's going on with your children, and the best way to do that, the easiest way to do that, is to be able to have open and frank conversations with them, because there are lots of questions, especially as they hit puberty, as they go through yep. high school, about their bodies and about social relationships and intimacy and what's appropriate and what's not, and there are no shortage of answers in the world. Unfortunately, there is an overabundance, I should say, of wrong answers, and if you want to make sure they're getting the right answers, well, you're going to have to be involved in the conversation. So, Kristalina, this has been absolutely wonderful. And I look forward to our next topic together when we have you back here on Roadmap to Heaven. I look forward to it as well, and I'm praying for all of your listeners. All right. We're praying for you. Friends, we're going to take a break. Don't go anywhere. A prayer for daily neglects. Eternal Father, I offer thee the sacred heart of Jesus with all its love, all its sufferings, and all its merits. First, to expiate all the sins I have committed this day and during all my life. Second, to purify the good I have done poorly this day and during all my life. Third, to supply for the good I ought to have done and that I have neglected this day and all my life. Amen. We are back. You're listening to Roadmap to Heaven here on Covenant Network, and we are talking with Father Jeffrey Kirby this morning. It's always a pleasure to have Father on the show with us. And Father, today we are going to talk about the spiritual work that we can do during the season of ordinary time. It is so easy to think of Lent as a time of focused spiritual work or Advent as a time of spiritual preparation for the mystery of the Incarnation and then the the celebrating that we do in Christmas and Easter. And, you know, sometimes I feel like we just kind of relegate ordinary time over to the corner, like, oh, that's, that's, that's just ordinary. But really, we spend more time in this season of ordinary time than we do other any other season of the year. So uh, before we begin, it's great to have you with us, Father. I wonder, how do we begin to approach the season of ordinary time? Yes, Adam, good to be back on the show. And, and I'm, I'm glad we're talking about ordinary time, because as you indicated, uh, oftentimes it's just kind of lost, and and honestly, the uh, regular you know calendar doesn't help us in that you know so oftentimes ordinary time will fall you know during busy times. So for example, we're in the summertime, and oftentimes people have vacations, they have other things going on, and it's just easy to forget. So it's ordinary time, and I've got a lot of things going on, or we're planning our vacation, and 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 to your point, oftentimes the spiritual emphasis of the opportunities given by ordinary time can be lost. So, in terms of ordinary time, what, what's going on? Well, the Church covers herself in green, 
So reminding us visibly, uh, as a good teacher, that we're supposed to be growing in our discipleship. So this is an opportunity for us to grow in our discipleship. The Mother Church uses ordinary time to reproclaim and reintroduce the teachings of Jesus Christ. So during ordinary time, especially at Mass, we hear a lot of the Lord's parables. We hear the Sermon on the Mount. We hear the, 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 the full depth of His teachings. And the idea being that during ordinary time, we're hearing these things, these, these sacred teachings, and we are then recommitting ourselves to the Lord, saying, yes, like I, I will follow Him. And, and so the spiritual work, and of course there are many ways that this can take shape, but the main spiritual work of ordinary time is to let ourselves rehear the gospel and to say, Lord, I follow you. I, I love you. I, I will do whatever you ask of me. I know you are the Word of God. You are the Savior. You are the Son of the living God. I will follow you. I love you. So I think that's the main work of ordinary time that we really can't lose. You know, when we think about that, one of the things I like to remember is that ordinary time is probably actually not the best name for it, but we get that from the word ordinal, and it's just ordered time. It's not that this time is not special or anything like that. Um, It's just ordered time. And so I, I love this idea that this is a great time for us to really do some intense work. So we're in the summer right now. Um, we have kids home on vacation. You know, maybe we have some more time with them than we normally would, certainly during the seasons of Lent and Advent. What are some practical things that we could maybe put into place this week to do that work? Yes, I think that in terms of ordinary time and rehearing the gospel is to look at the gospel we're in during the liturgy. So right now we are in Luke's gospel. Our, our Sunday readings are on a three-year cycle based on the three synoptic Gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke. So this is Luke's year. So my encouragement would be during the summer, during this ordinary time, to pick up Luke's Gospel and to read that Gospel. So this whole year, we're going to, this whole liturgical year, we're going to be hearing from Luke's Gospel. So by reading it again, or reading it for the first time, we understand how the different parts of the Gospel here in the liturgy can have the context. Like, what, what is, what is, Jesus saying, what's happening when, when he's teaching us? I think getting back to the scriptures and, and reading the Gospel of Luke can be a great opportunity. Also, I think just working on our prayer life. Uh, you know, maybe summertime is a little crazy with kids home and vacations and various other things, but but can also be a relaxing time in that we can examine where where am I with my discipleship and perhaps our life of prayer. Like, okay, I, I need to work on my prayer life. I, I kind of let that slip. So I would say the, maybe the left and right hook for ordinary time could be getting back to the Scriptures and really working on our prayer life. I love it. You know, one of the things I was reminded of recently by a friend who gives parish missions is the best time to book a parish mission speaker isn't Advent or Lent. It's ordinary time because there's usually not a high demand in ordinary time. And he said, but it's such a great time because you're not competing with other things. So maybe you're listening and saying, I really want to jumpstart my my faith life. Now, I'm not saying go to Father and say, Father, you have to book a parish mission for me. But maybe you need to go find a retreat to go and kickstart your prayer life. I mean, we, we talk about summer vacations, why not take, instead of a long weekend at the lake, take a long weekend at the retreat house, uh, whether it's a place where you just go make an individual silent retreat or you find a directed retreat 
near you. There are all sorts of offerings out there. You can travel all over the country. If you want to get away and get some new scenery, you can go on retreat in California or Louisiana or anywhere in the country, you know, east, west, north, south. Go there and and jumpstart that work. And then, Father, you know, I also think that this is such a great time for us to build habits. So I'm, as you're saying this, the, the one-two combo, the, the, the left hook, the, you know, the right jab, uh, scripture and prayer. You know, what can I do in my summer routine with the kids? You know, maybe at nighttime, because we can push bedtime back a little bit during the season of summer, we could take that Gospel of Luke and start going through it as a family. But, you know, I'm not a scripture scholar, so I think maybe in closing today, if we could talk about that, for the parents listening, if they want to sit down with their kids and start going through whether it's the Gospel of Luke or some other scripture, what's the best way that they can lead that, knowing that most of us aren't scripture scholars, but we are devoted Catholics? Yes, you know, I'll tell you, Adam, what's great about this is if we go to the early church, St. John Chrysostom, he was very concerned, so one of our early fathers was concerned that Christian families were still passing on pagan myths uh, to their children. And he gives a whole instruction on how Christian parents should teach the Scriptures. And what he does is he says to use a parable or a scene, he uses the example of Cain and Abel, and to just tell the story, and almost in the spiritual tradition what we call a composition of place, which means we, we, we just kind of create the environment. Like, there are these two brothers... You know, uh, one was kind of, you know, uh, you know, big and strong, and, you know, he kind of worked the land. He was a big farmer. And the other one, he worked as, you know, he was um, you know, also big and strong, but he worked, you know, as a shepherd and so on. And, and telling the story of Cain and Abel or looking at the parables, if, if parents are a little concerned, I, I don't know the scriptures, how am I supposed to teach it? Well, we can all understand the parables. So, you know, uh, so we're throwing seed or big, different things of this sort. So, so I think that by Christian parents, just allowing the scriptures to come alive uh, can be a great, uh, a great benefit to their children and, and to the spiritual well-being of their family. That's great advice for all of us, and, you know, whether it's your kids, your grandkids, your nieces, your nephews, your godchildren, whoever it may be, or just you and and your spouse or you and your friends sitting together this summer to read Scripture, you know, we're about halfway through the summer, and then soon fall will begin, and we'll be busy again, and we'll be in that routine. But let's make the most of this time, this season of ordinary time. We've got a long period here to do some intense spiritual work. So prayer and scriptures, that's that's the two priorities we have today from Father Kirby. Father, could you close our time together with a prayer, please? My pleasure. Let us pray. Father, we ask that you pour your Spirit upon us. May you open our minds and hearts, help us to know your Word to generously do all that you ask of us through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. You're listening to Roadmap to Heaven. We're going to take a break. Don't go anywhere. Memorare to St. Joseph. Remember, O most chaste spouse of the Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who implored your help or sought your intercession was left unaided. Full of confidence in your power, I fly unto you and beg your protection. Despise not, O foster father of the Redeemer, my humble supplication, but in your bounty, hear and answer me. Amen. 
We are midway through our week, and here on the Daily Dose of Encouragement, we have been enjoying some favorite homily quotes that Patty Schneier is sharing with us from homilies you've heard in your lifetime. Yeah, these are just homilies from the priests that I, you know, I sit Sunday after Sunday. I've been a parishioner at St. Ferdinand for over 30 years, and we've just been blessed with great priests, and I realize these homilies have impacted me. So I talked about one from Father Gene Robertson, and yesterday was Father Gary Gebelein, and today I want to quote Father Jack Dempsey. May he rest in peace. Oh, what a wonderful holy priest. He was at St. Ferdinand from 2002 to 2008. And I remember this homily from him like it was yesterday. He was sharing with us about, well, the parable from the readings was the parable of the weeds among the wheat. It comes from Matthew's gospel, uh, chapter 13. So that was maybe the gospel of the day. But he was definitely talking about that parable of the weeds growing among the wheat. But what he did was he told a personal story, and I've never forgotten this story. And he told the story of the day that he found out for the first time that he had cancer. The day that he got the news, you have cancer. And he said this, he said, I felt sorry for myself. He said, you get that news. He goes, I just felt sorry for myself. And then I said to myself, this is Father Jack Dempsey speaking, I'm going to allow myself to feel sorry for myself one day, one day, and that's it. He says, because what I realized is that this is just one weed amidst a whole field of wheat that has been my life and all the blessings in my life. So he saw that the news of getting cancer in light of that parable, that it was, yes, it's a weed, but it's only one weed in this field of wheat. So I go back to that homily so many times when I want to feel sorry for myself or I'm sad about something that has happened in my life. I remember Father Jack Dempsey's wisdom and I remember that my whole life also is a huge wheat field. There are only a few weeds and it's okay. God allows those few weeds to grow right alongside the wheat. In the end, if you look at that whole field, all you really see is the wheat, the blessings. So I just go back to that. So if you maybe right now, maybe you've just heard of a diagnosis too. Maybe you're feeling sorry for yourself. Think of it in light of the parable of the weeds among the wheat. And think of it as only one weed in a huge field of wheat. And maybe that'll help you too. One weed in a huge field of wheat. That's a very great perspective for us to take to heart. Patty, thank you so much for sharing that with us today. I mention quite frequently that I spend the morning scanning different news outlets and things like that, different reading lists that I have, things that friends send and recommend to me and so on and so forth. And today I had one that was sent to me um, or shared with me, I should say, and it was titled, The Devil Admits to Exorcist, I Am Afraid of the Madonna. So this comes from excerpts of the former exorcist in Rome, Father Gabriel Amorth. He died at the age of 91. And uh, we don't have time to read the whole thing here, but I just want to pull a couple of things out of it. And Father Amorth makes it very clear that, you know, when you're talking with the Prince of Lies, which you and I should not do, right? Leave this to the exorcists. They have to sift through everything afterwards to find out, you know, to discern what is true and what is not. Um, 
But I, I just want to say this. According to Father Amorth, they, he asked, you know, what are the virtues of the Madonna that make you angriest? And the demon that he was exercising at the time responded, she makes me angry because she is the humblest of all creatures and because I am the proudest, because she is the purest of all creatures and I am not, because of all creatures she is the most obedient to God and I am a rebel. And he presses the demon some more. Uh, why, why are you more afraid when I say the Madonna's name than I, when I say the name of Jesus Christ? And the demon responded, I am more afraid when you say the Madonna's name because I am more humiliated by being beaten by a simple creature than by him. And again, he presses. And again, the response, because she always defeats me because she was never compromised by any taint of sin. The article goes on to say that during an exorcism, Father Amorth remembered, Satan told me through the possessed person, every Hail Mary of the rosary is a blow to the head for me. If Christians knew the power of the rosary, it would be the end of me. Why do I share this? Well, you know, I'm going to tell you at the end of the show today to pray your rosary today. And uh, that's, I mean, every reason I can give you to pray your rosary, if that's not a good reason right there, what is a good reason? It's also interesting in this article um, that, you know, you talk about rebellion and that the demon responded, I rebelled against God, thus I am show, I showed that I am stronger than he is. And Father Morris says, therefore, for them, rebellion is a sign of victory and superiority. And uh, it's just interesting to me that we live in a culture that is constantly telling us to rebel against the norms. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. All glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Our Lady, Queen of Peace, pray for us. St. Joseph, Terror of Demons, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Tomorrow, we're going to be talking about natural family planning with Tiffany Huckleman and Kathy Vollmer. We're also going to talk about the Fourth Commandment with Doug Barry. Until then, for Covenant Network, I'm Adam Wright. You've been listening to Roadmap to Heaven. Pray your rosary today.